Dwell with us, O God. Guide us, O God.
If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. And we are not living by the truth that we know, which is that we serve a God who is faithful and just. And so when we are ready to, for, for, to ask for forgiveness for our sins, our God of faithfulness and justice and abundant mercy will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from any and all unrighteousness. In humility and in faith, let us confess our sinfulness to God. You send us God of the Great Commission, but we hedge and hesitate. Forgive our fear and our excuses. We are witnesses of your grace and glory, but allow others to silence our praise. We imprison ourselves with doubt and shame and fail to shine your light for all to see. Forgive our fears, free our testimony. Amen. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came to forgive our sins. Let us bask in the glory and grace of that forgiveness. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Good morning, everyone and welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church on this glorious Lord's Day as we draw closer together in worship of God let us be drawn closer to and with one another as a community of faith welcoming one another here because God first welcomed us I invite you to turn and greet your neighbor, sharing the peace of Christ with them. And for those who are joining online, we hope that you'll take the time to let us know that you're joining us today, whether it's via that QR code on your screen or in the link below your video. We extend a warm welcome to you as well. So, beloved, May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. While there's never enough peace in the world, that's enough peace passing for now. <laughs> As we look ahead in the coming weeks for ways to build connection and community, we hope that you'll take a moment to look through the closing pages of the bulletin for a variety of ways to learn, volunteer, and engage in the life of this congregation. 
And if you're here in the sanctuary, we hope that you'll take a moment to find and fill out the pew pads and to share those with anyone else who might be seated in your pew. And I'll take a moment to highlight a few things in your bulletin. This morning, we will be ordaining, installing, and commissioning those whom you have elected to serve as elders, deacons, and trustees. That is why we are adorned with red this morning, the color of ordination. You will find in the bulletin the names of these officers, as well as the officers who are continuing their roles as officers whose terms end this spring. We are grateful to all of these individuals for their participation in this important ministry and encourage you, as you see them today and in the weeks ahead, to take a moment to thank them for their commitment to serving Fourth Church in these beautiful ways. If you've not yet had the opportunity to contribute a note, a shared memory, or expression of well wishes, to the memory box for Pastor Shannon, we invite you to do so by Sunday, May the 21st. You will find details on how to do so printed in your worship bulletin. There you will also find information about Shannon's last Sunday with us, which is May the 28th, including the congregational meeting and the festive reception that will be held that day. You can also read a summary of the information emailed this week about the naming of the interim pastor nominating committee and the transition leadership, as well as to find details about the many opportunities and resources available to you here at Fourth Church. And now to quote the psalmist, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
Let us pray. Living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Psalter portion this morning is Psalm 4. Listen now for God's word. Answer me when I call, O God, defender of my cause. You set me free when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. You mortals, how long will you dishonor my glory? How long will you love illusions and seek after lies? Know that the Lord does wonders for the faithful. The Lord will hear me when I call. Tremble then and do not sin. Speak to your heart in silence upon your bed. Offer the appointed sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart, more than when grain and wine abound. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, let me rest secure. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 22. I invite you to again listen for God's living word. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For Christ is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us abolishing the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, 
you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Inside these walls, freedom come, freedom come. Inside these walls, freedom come, freedom come. Come one and all, freedom come, freedom come. Come one and all, freedom come, freedom come. Bring your anger, pray it away, pray it away, pray it away. Bring your hatred, sing it away, sing it away, sing it away. Bring your sorrow, pray it away, pray it away, pray it away. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Freedom come, freedom come. That is one of my very favorite choral anthems. If, if I had been organized, I would have let John know before this Sunday. <laughs> Oops. It's an anthem about what it means not just to be in worship, but to be church. The living, breathing body of Christ where the spirit blows and flows, confronts and comforts, inspires and conspires with all of us as we seek to be faithful and to be, as our book of order puts it, an exhibition of the kingdom of heaven for the world. We are nearing the end of our series on the Apostles' Creed, and today's phrase is, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, just as we did when we studied the quick and the dead, let's go ahead and talk about what we mean when we say Catholic. When I used to teach new member classes, that was always one of the questions I would be asked, why do we say we believe in the Catholic Church? Assuming that meant the Roman Catholic Church, big C, with the Pope and the Vatican. But while the Roman Catholic Church is certainly an expression of Christianity, that's not what we mean when we use this word Catholic with the little c. Rather, the term in Greek means throughout the whole. As scholar Luke Timothy Johnson states, as applied in the creed to the church, it means both a universality of extent and an inclusiveness that embraces differences within a larger unity. The Catholic Church is the one that exists everywhere rather than simply in one place. So when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we are claiming that we trust that the living body of Jesus Christ is alive and well in all kinds of places and all kinds of congregations, cathedrals and church plants, large and small, and that together we all embody the church of Jesus Christ. And yes, all the schisms and denominations and splits and fighting throughout the last 2,000 years have certainly diminished that witness of unity in Christ. But when it comes down to it, 
Jesus, our Christ, is the head of it all, the head of all of us. That's what we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It means that we trust that despite all the ways we continue to divide ourselves, in the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are all still made one, whether we like it or not. As Paul states in the passage from Ephesians, Christ is our peace. The dividing wall, the hostility between any of us has already been broken down and destroyed. This is not some optional reality one can or cannot choose. It has happened. And our call as part of that new reality, that new creation called church, is to learn how to live that way with each other so we can demonstrate that promise to the world. Here's how the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu once put it. Wall-breaching activity is why we Christians are here. The church is to be the word visible, an audio-visual aid for the world. The place where all the walls come down and all people are accepted and included and loved because they are accepted and included and loved by Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts, no votes need to be taken. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the living, breathing body of Christ in this world who is a provisional demonstration of that promise of God. Now, if you don't mind, I want to switch gears and spend some time talking with you about why I not only believe in the Holy Catholic Church, but why I believe in the promise of Fourth Church, this particular congregation, this particular audiovisual aid for the world, and why I have been so deeply grateful to be your pastor for the last nine years. And yes, I know my last sermon is May 28th. But this day, this text, this part of the creed provide me the space to tell you why I love you, to offer to you my testimony, to let you see what I see in you. I started the sermon by singing that choral anthem that talks about church being a place, a community in which we're all invited to be just who we are, where we're all invited to bring with us our anger, our burdens, our hatred, our victories, our joy, our sorrow, all of it in here, trusting that in God, we will not only be received, but transformed. Transformed, yes, in this act of weekly worship, but also transformed in our living out our lives together as a faith community. And over these last nine years, I have seen us try to be that for each other and for all the people who come into our midst. One of our newest members told a longtime congregation member that she's so glad to be a part of Fourth Church because it's so welcoming and warm and she can just be herself. She comes and she can exhale. That testimony tells me we do indeed do what we can to live out William Sloan Coffin's truism that as long as our hearts are one in Christ, our minds don't have to be. But let's also be honest. Over these last nine years, it's not been easy. From the run-up to the 2016 presidential election and everything that followed, including the Me Too movement, to the uprisings after the murder of George Floyd and the important creation of Black Lives Matter, 
to learning how to function during a global pandemic, to the rise of hate crimes against our AAPI and Jewish siblings, to living in all the beauty and brokenness in the city of Chicago, I know for a fact that sometimes we have a hard time staying community through some of these difficult moments. Some folks have felt called to leave to seek church elsewhere. Others have felt called to join in because of our ministry. It's been this ever-evolving mixture. And add to all those moments of crisis the fact that six or so years ago, your session courageously began a commitment to becoming an anti-racist institution and to also double down on our support and active inclusion of people of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Plus, guess what? Y'all, as a faith community, are way more diverse in your political, theological, socioeconomic, and ethnic identities than you might think from our reputation. You're just going to have to take my word for it. And yet Sunday after Sunday, Bible study after Bible study, bag lunch service after bag lunch service, meeting after meeting, youth group after youth group, we have continued to do all we can to practice what I say at every baptism, which is to live out the reality that the truest truth of who we are is that we are some of God's beloved ones, but not just us, that all people are God's beloved ones as well. And living out those baptismal claims has required us to learn how to create brave space and how to have difficult, courageous conversations. It's required us to learn how to listen first without immediately thinking about our response and turning it into a debate. It's required us to practice daily what Paul claims in this passage from Ephesians, that the church is essentially a place where differences are to be reconciled, and that our mission as part of the Holy Catholic Church is to embody this reconciliation in our life as church. In this letter to the church to Ephesus, as well as in so many others of his letters, Paul suggests that our entire mission as church is to provide an alternative way of life, one measured by the new human who is Jesus and one that grows through inclusion and reciprocity rather than exclusion and hoarding. And I testify to you that more often than not, we are doing our best to live out that mission. We are doing our best to be an alternative to all the enmity, the division, and the hostility that surrounds us and fills the air we breathe out in our national culture. And do you want to know how I know that? Well, this past week I read the faith statements of our confirmands, some of the newest members of our church. And almost every single one of them spoke about this particular faith community called Fourth Church as being a place a community of people in which they have felt loved, seen, valued, challenged, and nourished. Almost every single one of them spoke of this congregation as one in which they know they can have questions and doubts and affirmations, hold a totally different point of view from others, and yet one in which they will be welcomed in all of it. They wrote how they know deep down that they will be allowed to be just who they are. If only every child, every young person had that kind of inclusive experience of church. 
I am telling you that demonstration of the wide embrace of God is some of what the Spirit of God is doing here through all of you as you keep practicing opening yourselves up for that kind of holy transformation and allowing it to reshape your lives and the collective life of this place. You take seriously the charge we give new members. The charge to not only take time to inhale the grace of God for yourself within the life of this community, but the charge to also exhale that same grace, that same claim of God for others who might not know it or feel it. Every time we do those things together, we are indeed embodying a demonstration of the household, the kingdom of God for the world. It is counter-cultural living. As Princeton Seminary professor Sally Brown once wrote, the church is a demonstration plot for the new humanity brought about by God's reconciling work in Jesus Christ. To be the church is to be a people who respond to God's work with joy and praise, who display something of what God intends for all humanity in its common life. The church is called to provide an alternative to the cultures of enmity at work in the world. It is to be a community that resists efforts to build up again those walls of division and enmity that Christ has already broken down. It is to be a place of hospitality to the stranger, a place of peaceable difference. It is to put God's work and cause on display. I see that kind of holy community in you, in the staff you have called to serve alongside you, in the leadership that you elect from this congregation each year. It's one reason why I am not fearful for the future of Fourth Presbyterian Church. For while we are far from perfect, you are a people on the way, and you take the claims of your faith, the challenge to be a part of the Holy Catholic Church, seriously. It's amazing, really, for it does not fit within our larger cultural narrative that would much rather split us up and keep us apart. But it is who we are. It's who you are. And yes, it will remain a challenge to keep summoning the kind of courage it takes to live out this identity in a culture that prefers to nurture enmity and hostility. It will remain a challenge to live as a congregation, as a part of Christ's body, as an outpost of the Holy Catholic Church who works hard to live out unity, not uniformity who takes the time and spends the energy to actively embody a community of peaceable difference rather than an attitude you're for us or you're against us. And yet, dear friends, you know how to do it. I've seen it. I've lived it out amongst you. It is a part of who you are, and I trust it will continue on as you move into this next season with new pastoral leadership. So yes, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and I also believe deeply in the promise of Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago, inside whose walls the Spirit of God continues to move, to provoke, to inspire, to conspire, to fill, and to lead as this congregation moves faithfully into the future that God holds, into the freedom for all 
that God promises is on the way. So as I begin to move towards taking my leave, please know that I love you and that I'm so thankful for you that I have learned so much from you. You have been church for me and I have no doubt you will continue to be that for each other and for the world who so desperately needs it. To God be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Remember, you're not done with me yet. Um, I would, though, as a sign of this new time in our life, as we sing the next hymn, you're about to have to stand up again, I would invite all of you who are going to be newly elected and ordained officers to make your way down front as we sing. Thank you.
please remain standing and join together affirming what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let us join together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Congregation can be seated. And now let us move into the ordination, installation, and commissioning of our officers. Let us begin. Within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as deacons, as ruling elders, and as ministers of the word and sacrament, also known as teaching elders. Ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that Christ's ministry continues among us. Here at Fourth Presbyterian Church, not only do we recognize the ordained leadership of elders and deacons, we also recognize the special service of trustees and commission their calling as well. Representing the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the session of Fourth Presbyterian Church now ordains Anne Canfield, Kate Cups, Gavin Daniels, Margaret Douglas, Ruby Fairman, Jill Finstermaker, Jeff Gallenbeck, Bobby Harper, Lindsay Hay, Margaret Izzo, Larry Curley, Will Kozlowski, Jim Lacey, Joan Leach, Val Lober, Nancy Curtis Morell, Daniel Park, Mary Zeltman, Christine Zrinsky, to the service of ruling elder or deacon and installs them to active service as deacons and elders. We also install Lisa Dager, Nikki Drake, Rhonda Faulkner, Gary Graham, Janet Love, Cash Morgan, Hillary Richardson, Gretchen Wall, and David Wilson, who've been previously ordained to active service on their respective boards. And finally, we commission the following to serve this congregation as trustees. Vern Broders, Carolyn Brown, Patsy Habicht, Annie Person, Stacy Schonkweiler, Ken Walker, and Tony Yang. A lot of you. So we have some questions. These are not new to you. You have been working on these. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith, 
as expressed in the confessions of our church, as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? <laughs> will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and be continually guided by our confessions, will you? Will you be governed by our church polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit, will you? Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? For those of you who are going to be ruling elders, will you be a faithful ruling elder watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And for deacons, <laughs> will you be a faithful deacon teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need. And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And now to trustees. Will you be a faithful trustee, responsibly managing the property and resources of this community, exercising wisdom and foresight, to support the work of the session, guided by the will of God as expressed by this congregation, so that our community might further the reign of God in this city and throughout the world. Will you? Beautiful. And members of the congregation, do we, the members of the church, accept these persons as deacons, ruling elders, and trustees, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ. Do we? Do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the church? Do we? Now I invite all those who are to be ordained, if you're able, to kneel on the pews now. And then as they do so, I invite everyone who has ever been ordained as a deacon elder, commissioned as a trustee, minister of word and sacrament, you know, come forward for the laying on of hands. If you're, yes, all right, we're good. We're going to give everyone some time. Oh, I'm sorry you're on that, that hurts. We will give folks a chance. All right. 
big clumps. You might just stick your hands in front of you now. <laughs> All right. I think we're okay now. Everyone has a hand. Let us pray. Almighty God and wild spirit, by your wisdom and mercy, you have from the beginning given gifts to your children so they might do the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Send down your Holy Spirit now. May it blow freely upon your children that they might be faithful leaders in your church. Give to them extra measures of patience and compassion. Help them to see those whom the world might forget. Open their hearts to torrents of love that they might share it with others. Nourish them in the life of your wildly creative spirit. Give them joy in their walk of faith. May they find new spiritual growth and new energy out of this call to serve. And please give to them a sure sense of your abiding presence and the deep knowledge that they indeed are called and you will not abandon them. Grant all this, O eternal hope, for the sake of your Son, our Savior and brother, Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if you would help your siblings get back up. <laughs> it takes us a village. Got it? Thank you. Excellent. It okay, is now my Lucy has honor. something else to say. I will give you the final word here. I'm very excited. It is now my honor to declare that you are now ordained, installed, and commissioned spiritual leaders of this congregation. Be faithful and true to your ministries so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Welcome to this ministry. As folks are taking their seat, I will call us to the offering with these words. It is with deep and abiding gratitude to God that we now have the opportunity to return to God a portion of our livelihood. We recognize the joy of discipleship in service to God through giving of our time, our vast talents, and our treasure. The work of this congregation as a place of living out our calling, as Shannon so beautifully uh, spoke about in her sermon, living out our calling relies on your generosity of your gifts, your tithes and your offerings. And so on this day, we invite you to give. And if you are online with us today, you can give your gifts through the Venmo app or by sending a check or a gift online. And if you are in the sanctuary, your gifts will be received in the offering plates. So let us now receive our morning offering.
us join together in praying the prayer of dedication. You are the source of every good and perfect gift, O God. Use these tithes and offerings for your glory. Let this, your church, be faithful to your calling to be the light of the world, bringing hope to every life we touch. Through Christ we pray. Amen. to this world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return no person evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you and keep you. face to shine upon you. May God, may God's face to shine upon you. May God be gracious. 